Welcome to the Healthy Mindfuck Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Lee. This show is completely dedicated to giving you the stories, strategies, and top performance hacks from extraordinary minds around the globe. Without further ado, let's dive right in. All right, let's have an adult conversation for a second. There's been a lot of Yo, Dr. C, where the frog you been? I just want to give y'all a little heads up real quick. We took a small break, a tiny little, hey, how are ya? Let's breathe in some oxygen in those big, beautiful lungs. But we are coming back with a vengeance. Are we coming back with like anger for education? Something like that? We're, we're coming, we're doing it. Yeah. So we're going to bring in soon, right after, I mean, you're listening to this, it's happening right meow. We're bringing in fire. Pure fire, like a flamethrower would say, boy, this is hot. I mean, mid-June, summer's eve is going to go, this is lit. A frat party would say, chill out. So I'm just letting you guys know, I'm aware. We, we pumped the brakes for a hot second, but sometimes you got to plant the seed to allow the tree to grow. And that's exactly what we did. So here's our game plan. And because we got so many unique and amazing listeners, we are trying to get the Healthy Mindfuck show to the top of the charts. That is our goal for the end of the year is to work our way up through business and through mindset to the top 100. And in order to facilitate the expression of that potential, it would be scooper duper amazing if these episodes hit home for you share it with your grandma share it with your grandpa your neighbor your pastor hit up these homies and let them know what's floating around in their space and if it really tickled you to the specialness that made you get laugh out loud or whatever the heck you need do us a monstrous favor and like this thing give us a little shout out and a little review because those that are doing those reviews are going to get a little hey how are you from dr c on the following episode so with that said let's dive into this episode and i want to thank everyone who has been here since the beginning it has been such an amazing journey and we are in the state of leveling up right now so let's do that dang thing without further ado pitter patter let's get at her what is going on my friends welcome to another episode of the healthy mindfuck show i am so excited about today's because i genuinely can say that this amazing woman that we are connect with our guest today abby vernon and she does something that I hadn't run across in a long time that I think we need now more than ever. And it's learning to integrate trauma, not inside of a specific therapy modality or inside of like trying to think our way out of a problem that's emotional. She had this video that I'm pretty certain went pretty damn viral um, about like, if you've had a trauma, like a macro trauma, and you try to like sit there and like meditate your way out of that, the body goes into a fight or flight reaction because it just doesn't have like the bandwidth to experience that. And like she gave all these amazing like somatic ways that you can process those traumas and things like that. And all of that to say, she's also extraordinarily intelligent, talented, and just has a beautiful way of expressing the type of work that she does. So I'm really, really excited to have you on the show today, Abby, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here and thank you for having me. Absolutely. So 
as with all things trauma related, how did you get into this? I'm sure it just came to you in a dream and rainbows and butterflies and everything was fine in your life. But tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into this work. Yeah, absolutely. So my history with trauma is, I'd say the biggest um, experience in my life is that I struggled with alcohol and drugs for a long time. Um, And I got sober almost 10 years ago. So at that turning point, thank you. At the turning point, I started dedicating myself to my yoga practice. And I had been practicing for a while before that. But when I got sober, I really clung to my practice. It was my sanctuary and my safe haven. And thankfully, I had teachers who were able to support me in that process so that I knew it was okay to come to my mat and cry and, you know, just lay there or, or do what I needed to do to move everything through my body because I had been so dissociated for so long. Um, so I was very much connected to my yoga practice. That was my main mission and vision was to teach yoga. As soon as I did my yoga teacher training, I wanted to share that gift with others. And then I came onto somatic experiencing a few years ago through a mentor of mine and through my best friend. So it was very synchronistic in the way that it happened. I had it recommended to me by my mentor and my best friend happened to be doing the training as well. So I dove right in. It's a three-year program, a three-year certification program. And that was the missing link for me. I had so many things coalesce together um, because addiction is essentially due to trauma. Um, and then I really, somatic experiencing is a lot about redefining trauma and helping everyone to realize that we all have trauma in some way, shape or form. And we can't necessarily access it or resolve it through the cognitive minds, through talk therapy. Um, it's through this embodiment work. It's through your physicality. It's, it's through your physiology. Um, and I was able to renegotiate, and we call it you know, bound activated energy. I was able to renegotiate this bound activated energy that I had held in my body for years and years. And I have never felt... Um, a release like I had never felt a release like that before and the essence of it is that I just felt more at home in my body I felt more um, bandwidth or capacity like my energy reserves expanded tremendously and it felt like life-changing work and again I had that same experience that I had with yoga that I just really want to share this work with others. This is this has been so transformative in my life, and I could see how transformative it was for you know my fellow my fellow uh, students in the cohort, um, and so that's been my mission ever since. Oh, how beautiful! And especially this year, um, again, like I I just see a lot of polarities when it came to like COVID and things like that. I saw people that went in and like dug deep into these old triggers and these wounds. And then I see a lot of people that are like, 2020's just been this big party and I've been like drinking my face off and things like that. You said something that I, I can honestly say that I haven't heard of before that addiction comes from trauma. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. 
So there are many forms of trauma and in somatic experiencing, uh, there's a spectrum, there's a range and essentially categories, two big categories, the big T traumas and then the little T traumas. And within those, they, they vary. So big T traumas are, I mean, divorce is even considered a big T trauma. So divorce, loss of a family member, loss of a loved one, um, rape, abuse, domestic violence. Um, and then there are the little T traumas, which, which are actually very significant as well. So it's, it's, it's constant misattunement in your childhood. It's not having a secure attachment relationship. So it's the ongoing trauma. And in the past, and I know I, this is the way I thought of trauma before I started somatic experiencing as well, is that trauma is that big shock trauma, right? Trauma is the big events, um, war veterans, um, those who survived a, an accident, those who survived um, natural disasters, but the range of trauma is so wide. So for me and my history, it was really that, that lack of attunement in my childhood. And from the lack of attunement, I went inward. And rather than knowing where my secure base was, I looked for it everywhere else. And that was really, I, and looking back on my life now and knowing what I know now about somatic experiencing, um, I went into that shutdown. So sometimes when you're traumatized, you we have the fight, flight, or fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. And I went into that freeze. It's called functional freeze, where I just lived in that state of mm -hmm. shutdown. So for the majority of my life, I felt like I was living on the surface, like there was something more, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to tap in. I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, and even after I got sober, I, I still felt that sense of hollowness, that sense of I was living my life on the surface. And then doing the training and doing the deeper dive into somatic experiencing work, I discovered that this was from the childhood lack of attunement, lack of entrainment, um, lack of mirroring. Um, you know, when parents are able to mirror back what their child is expressing um, and support them in navigating those feelings and emotions. Um, so it was a big aha moment for me, for sure, to that, learn. That. Yeah, and I think so many of us can probably relate to that and like, I, I know we've had this conversation on the show so many times of like your parents were doing the best that they possibly could, right? Just like you and I are both parents and we're doing the best that we possibly can. And I know I'm causing my daughter, I'm sure years of therapy in some way, shape or form. Um, but I think the progress that we're making and learning how to do strategies like this and mirroring and coupling and entrainment and um, all of those different things are extremely beneficial, but then now we're adults. So talk to us about what this somatics actually is and how people can start to like use that because it is such an extraordinary experience and it's ancient in so many different ways. But now we just have science that's like, yeah, no, this is actually really, really functional. Like talk to us about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I also agree with you, you know, we do the best we can until we know better. I know that my parents and my caregivers 
were doing the absolute best they could with the resources that they had. And I'm so thankful that I had the experiences that I did and that I now have the knowledge and practices that I have so that I can negotiate this path that more skillfully and help others negotiate this path more skillfully as well. And I feel like that's definitely been a part of my, my purpose. Um, so somatic experiencing is really about being in the moment with someone or with yourself. It's, a, it's called a um, emergent property theory. So you're really following the moment by moment experience. And one of the greatest tools and most foundational tools that I've used and that I use with my clients and my students as well is getting to know your sensations in your body. And sensations are different than feelings because as you had mentioned before, um, it's terrifying for trauma survivors to be in their body. If they're asked to be still, if they're asked to focus on their breath, it instantly creates a agitation and a sense of panic. Yeah, that's what trauma does. It projects you out of the body so you don't have to like experience the trauma, but the body keeps score. Exactly. Exactly. So part of somatic part of the work of somatic experiencing is to help um, clients build their interoception, which is their sense of what's going on inside and building their interoception and learning more about their sensations and be, being able to identify their sensations and how they track and how they move helps to support in um, building up their insula. So the two areas of the, the brain that trauma survivors are most, or where they're most affected and that are often shrunk um, are the insula and the medial prefront, prefrontal cortex, um, if I remember correctly. Um, so part of the practice of interoception is noticing what's going on internally through sensation language. And what sensation language sounds like is um, noticing where in your body you feel tight or you feel loose. There's, so there's a process of pendulation between is there an area of my body that feels tighter? Is there an area of my body that feels looser? Can I connect the two? So that's this natural titration experience of expansion and contraction. And that can take a that can take a while to get there. So another big part of, and even before this, that you can work with is building external resources. So we talk about building external resources and internal resources, however, if internal doesn't feel safe. Um, you can start to notice, then this is part of the orienting process, you know, note it, take your eyes around the room, let your head and your neck wander as if they had a mind of their own. Notice if your gaze lands on something that helps you feel that, that feels neutral or that even feels pleasant and allow yourself to be there for a moment. So there is, there's a lot of practice in what helps you feel a little more grounded? And this is also sensation language, a little more grounded, a little more spacious. There's a little more room for your body to expand. And you may notice a deeper breath. You may notice your shoulders softening. 
So that those are those are individual exercises that that someone can use, but another big part of um, helping to regulate the nervous system is to develop supportive co-regulation. Mm. And this is where having a, a practitioner or a therapist or someone trained in somatic experiencing is so beneficial yeah. because for many and for myself included, I didn't feel like anyone understood for a yeah. long time. Same. So to just have someone be there and hold space and acknowledge what you're going through, what you're experiencing, um, and allow the, um, the process to unfold organically um, is so, so integral. Profoundly powerful in so many different ways too. I mean, I now have like two therapists and like two coaches because I just know like I, I have more to give and there's more to like discover and things like that. And like having them as a resource for perspective and for safety and to help me build those sensations so that I can express those feelings um, because there is such a huge difference. Like grounding is a sensation, not a feeling type of thing, where I think mm -hmm. so many people kind of like mix those two things, right? And I think one of the biggest things that's come up this year a lot is like, how do people build that sense of safety so that they can express those feelings, right? Because if you try to go straight into a meditation um, and there's no like feeling of safety, your nervous system is going to be a raccoon in a corner, like rat in a coffee can type of thing. And it's going to go berserk. And then you can rewire those pathways even deeper. And then that insula is a two-way pathway that goes right back to the amygdala. And as soon as that thing's fired up, you just go right back to that reflex. So now, I mean, it's, it's triggering these PTSDs. And we see this in a lot of the somatic studies that are coming out as well. So how can people start to create that sense of like safety inside of themselves? Hmm. That is such a good question. And there are so many ways to, to follow that path or to embark on that path. I would say one of the, the exercises that I use constantly for myself and for my clients is that there are three different ways that you can find resources either in your body or around you. And the first is orienting. So allowing yourself to look around your space, notice where you're at, because so, so often, you know, we have tunnel vision, we know what we need to do or not, we know where we need to go or um, where we want to go, but there's, there's not an awareness of, okay, what, what space am I in? How am I feeling in the space? What's around me? Are there any resources that I can lean into in this space. So as I look around, I have some flowers in front of me and my, that caught my gaze. And rather than brushing right by it, I can stay there. I can pause. I can notice the qualities that bring up a sense of ease in my body. So I, I love the, the dark fuchsia color. I love the arrangement of the petals. I love that they bring so much color into the space, you know, when it's, it's rather drab. So really focusing, and it's so subtle. It's so subtle and it can seem so small, but the effects are major. 
So being able to use the practice of orienting to land on something that helps you feel more like yourself in your body. So there's orienting, you can do visual orienting, you can also do physical orienting. So rather than, you know, any big movements you can think about, okay, just right now, wiggle your fingers, wiggle your toes, move around in your seat, notice how you've been sitting and notice how you feel after you find a little movement in your body. And there's so much to simply noticing and observing even a 1% shift. So there's a visual orienting, physical orienting, grounding, notice a weightedness in your seat, or if you feel a weightedness in your seat, if you feel a weightedness in your feet, for some grounding may not feel supportive. So it's important to have the, the variations and the different options. Grounding for me feels amazing because I am very much you know, in my head and when I get stressed out and anxious, I go up and out. So to have that sense of weight, to remind, to remind my body that I have a sense of weightedness right here and right now is so supportive. So feeling into, or I'll feel you know, the backs of my legs into the chair, I can press my back into the back of the seat behind me. Okay, I'm more present, I'm more here. And then the final way is through self-contact. So a great way is to notice what you do naturally. So for me, it's, I have my hands on my, on the tops of my legs and I'm just kind of rubbing back and forth. So it may be that, that may be a soothing movement for someone. So to continue to slow it down, notice how it feels when you slow that movement down, or it could be squeezing the bigger muscles in your body, squeezing your arms, squeezing your shoulders, giving yourself a little squeeze on your upper back, your neck, um, and feeling the boundary of your body, right? Because in anxiety and when that fight or flight comes in, like you said, it's very much an out-of-body experience. So by bringing your hands to the boundaries of your body, it's a reminder. I'm here, this, this is my body, this is my space, a reminder to, to, to come back in. I think this is one of the most powerful exercises that we can have as we continue as humanity to advance technology and to have like, you know, the, the smartphones that instantly will take you out of your body up into your head. And so many of us just live up there all mm -hmm. the live long day, but like learning to drop back in and like have the balance of those two. So we don't have this constant cognitive dissonance of like, I feel this way, but now I'm judging how I'm feeling and all these different practices, but like dropping back in, grounding wow. down and then taking perspective and then taking action and doing things like that. So talk to me about some like yoga practices. Um, and some of how you use that in your daily life as well. Absolutely. So I, and I also want to touch base on the feelings versus sensations again, quickly as well, because absolutely, there's so feelings are, are, are tough in general. Um, but there's, I, I notice in myself too, I'll say things like, I feel like that's not fair. 
or I feel like this person is doing this. And that's not actually a feeling, right? It's I'm noticing what someone is doing or I'm giving my opinion. So the great thing about noticing sensations versus feelings and Bessel van der Kolk calls sensations primordial feelings mm -hmm. because they were there, you know, before our limbic system came online. So we get underneath the cognitive and we're able to access the more primordial aspects of our, of our body and our felt sense of what's going on. Um, so to be able to notice, to shift from noticing feelings to sensations can be such a game changer if you practice it, of course. Um, and I have actually, I have, and I'll give this to you as well for a resource. I have a list of sensations that you can use to practice. But when, so for me, for example, when I feel my shoulders lift up, you know, there's a feeling of, there's definitely a feeling of tension. That's, this is my stress response. Um, there's a feeling of tightness. There's a, there's kind of a feeling of tingling as well. And when I'm able to relax my shoulders, there's this sense of release. Um, and that it's so important to tune into that because that's, that's the stress relieving itself. That's, um, your activated energy getting freed up. Um, and this is, this was happening in my yoga practice. I just didn't have a name for it. So yoga was truly the path that helped me stay sober, that helped me come back into my body, that helped me realize how powerful I was. And then learning more about somatic experiencing, I realized this was because in yoga, we are, we are often moving through defensive responses in a slower manner. So defensive responses, meaning, you know, if we're pushing our arms out, reaching our arms overhead, um, the actions that may not have been available to us during traumatic experiences, especially when younger. So in yoga, we're moving through a lot of those um, physical defensive responses. And it's a lot of times yoga slowed down. And that's, that's very much what somatic experiencing is about. It's slowing down your physiology. So typically, and it doesn't matter what type of yoga you practice, you can practice, you know, a fast power yoga class, you can practice a slower yin class, you can practice a slow flow class, it doesn't matter what type of yoga you practice, but being able to have your body move in all of these different directions, and to be able to move through those defensive responses. This is why so many feelings do come up in yoga often. You know, when I found myself crying on my mat in certain postures spontaneously, and I didn't know why it was coming up. It was that tension, that held tension being released. Um, however, you don't have to have a full yoga practice every day or even like three days a week. There's no schedule that you need to follow. Um, what I what I do every day is I'll do some sun breath. So I'll sweep, inhale, sweep your arms overhead, exhale, bring your arms back down, and then move through the six movements of the spine. So some flexion and extension, which you experience in cat-cow, lateral side bending, and then some twisting. 
And honestly, if that's all you can do throughout the day, that is a great start. Getting your physiology moving, getting your breath flowing and having movement with breath is so important for those who are both newer to a yoga practice and for those who are not comfortable in their bodies or who have experienced trauma. Because again, just being still, just being told to breathe um, and especially being told to close your eyes, it doesn't work. Yeah, no, not, not at all. And that's, that's such a profound thing too, if like a lot of trauma happens to us like in motion, right? And, and it's, it's a very experienced thing in the body. And then we try to like think our way out of that type of thing. And it's like, ah, we're like speaking two different languages and it's, it's not translating over properly. I've been doing yoga a handful of times a week for like three years since I've gone through some of my own personal traumas. Um, and it's like that, that body awareness to say, oh my gosh, like I have like just a weird, like right shoulder tension. And I like, didn't know that that was there before. And then like learning to have some of those somatic tools that you've talked about to ground down and to connect and to do all those things. It's just, it's so powerful. And it's not like anything like crazy or like, you know, there's not like clouds partying and things like that. It's a 1% shift. Like we talk about that so much on the show of like how powerful, like 1% a day really is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and building up your resources, noticing when you feel, and you may, it may not even be about feeling good, but when you feel less tension in your shoulder and staying there for a little while, noticing how that feels to, to feel better in your body. Um, and that's so, so important because through trauma, you know, it, it's really ingrained that, that we're meant to feel shitty right? It's, that, this is just going to, this is just the way it's going to be. Um, so to even notice those little glimmers of, oh yeah, I'm able to, so for me, one of the big moments was I was never able to, I never felt comfortable standing, literally standing on my own two feet. I always had one foot propped up. So I would lean over and I'd have one foot propped up as I had one foot on the floor. And when I started standing on both of my feet putting even pressure through both of my feet and then yoga we have mountain pose which is such an empowering posture where you're standing on your feet your feet hip distance apart standing tall chest up arms long when i started practicing just that i felt so much more grounded i felt so much more empowered and just that was, was a big shift. That, I mean, there's so much that your body has like that intelligence to it, that it wants to go in these specific directions and move these like potential energies that are inside of them. And I mean, yoga has been such this like researched and it's so like ancient, like they've known this for like such a long time. Like it, it, it's been a beautiful practice. And even now, like I, I have a practice that's down the road, but a lot of the times I'm watching YouTube videos and like just doing it on a yoga mat in my bedroom and things like that. And it has that same effect to it where it's just like, I needed those types of flows and those types of postures today. And it's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to your daily life, what does that look like nowadays? 
So tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing with your clients and like, what do you do to make yourself like this vessel to help others? Mm. So I am still teaching. I'm, I'm still teaching yoga classes and I teach a variety of different class types. And what I have noticed, especially during the past few months in the pandemic, that teaching a more vigorous and practicing a more vigorous yoga experience, especially using weights, um, has been life-changing in helping me feel empowered, helping my students feel empowered, and just coming back into that, that grounded energy. So I teach um, like a slow flow class. I'll teach, it's called a a sculpt it and flow. It's a power yoga and weight training class. <laughs> that is so much fun. I mean, loud music. There's, um, you know, I encourage vocal expression. So that, that piece is, is included as well. Um, so that's been, that's been a, that teaching is a part of my practice. And then when I work with clients, it's really dependent on, on where they are, you know? So the work that I do in yoga and somatic experiencing is meeting people exactly where they are and supporting them in that 1% shift and then relentlessly reinforcing the acknowledgement and the positivity and the, the, um, the benefits that come along with that, that 1% shift. Um, part of what I really value in teaching yoga is the connection that I make with my students, both before and after class too. It's not just about the class experience. So especially in relation to trauma, it's really important to develop a relationship, you know, to, to communicate well, to have students have, so students have the felt sense that I understand that I care, that I'm there to hold the space for them because having that space held is so important for the body to feel safe enough to express and to explore. So that is really my, my number one mission in my work is to create that container and to create that space so that my students and my clients and you know whoever I'm working with, whoever I'm around really feels safe enough and that you know that would be their word not not mine um to to express what they need to express in that moment and that like so when we have like a traumatic moment and we get these triggers it continually like tries to like project us into like a worst case scenario right but then yoga and like these different types of flows are like moving us through like what is a very like somatic, like defensive posture, but we're doing it inside of like a calm mind, right? Mm -hmm. And that type of thing. I mean, I know there's a lot of like different studies that it's down-regulating the amygdala and turning on, you know, the, the lateral central prefrontal cortex and all these different things that are helping to release those binds of trauma. And it's, 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 so, it's so great. Um, so like, do you have like a daily practice that you do in the morning? That's like around some of these things. Um, I, so my, the most grounding practice for me lately has been my meditation practice in my rocking chair. <laughs> I have a, or a, a rocking swing. I have a swing outside that I'll go out in the morning and I'll sit in the swing and I'll rock, right? Because the stillness 
um, the stillness doesn't feel so great for me. I can do seated meditation, but I prefer to have that rocking motion. So that's really been the anchor for me most recently. In my personal practice, I will do those sun breaths a few sun breaths whenever I notice my shoulders starting to creep up or I'll set a timer for myself so that I'm, I'm moving or I'm doing something to move my body and be with my breath um, every hour or, you know, dependent on, on what I'm, I'm doing at that moment, every half an hour even. Um, so I'll do the sun breaths. I'll do six movements of the spine. I will roll out my mat. My personal practice is very much free flowing these days. So I'll roll out my mat. Down dog feels really good for me right now, especially to get out the tension in my upper back. So I'll usually start in down dog and then I'll just move from there. Uh, and I follow the rhythm of where my body wants to go. So mm -hmm. rather than thinking I need to do, you know, a five minute flow or a 30 minute flow or an hour long flow, um, I follow what my body wants to do, my natural rhythms. And that's most often recently, it's been, you know, some, some standing poses, some lunges, warrior twos, like getting really grounded into my feet, feeling the strength of my legs, expanding my arms to take up space. Um, those empowering postures. And it's very simple. Right, it's not a, a lot of whole fancy inversions or um, or transitions. It's very much my practice is very simple these days, and very much based in what my body needs in the moment. And when I talk to people that are like hey, on the path, I would say like they're they're living like in the moment type of thing. They've gone from like making things complicated back to like the basics like the yeah. very, very simple. And that's like such an important message, I think, especially like if you're, you know, decades into personal development or you're just getting started, um, you know, whatever journey you're on right now is absolutely perfect, but complexity is the killer of action, right? Yeah. And really just having these simple practices, like there's a reason that sleep, journaling, and meditation are at the top of the list of everyone that's making an impact in their world or people that are just like, genuinely happy with where they are and like finding their own worthiness in themselves and not external like all these different things stack up and for me I know if I have this internal chaos and I try to like do a billion different things that what I need is like some super super simple things like just to take my journal and go down to the beach or to take my you know walk with no phone or anything and just like be like those types of things are like the profound practices for me right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would suggest, you know, if, if you need something to do, or if anyone listening needs something simple, a simple movement pattern to do, can practice sun salutations. So there's the sun salutation A, and there's a sun salutation B, and it's a very simple, um, any, you know, you can put it in, in Google or in YouTube, and they have a bunch of different videos and tutorials, but you're reaching your arms overhead, breathing in, Exhale, folding forward, inhaling, lifting your chest, exhaling, stepping back to plank, lowering down to the earth, inhale, lift your chest. So you're getting that opening, opening through your chest, opening through the back of your body, working your legs, stretching. It's like a blend of everything good. Yeah. They're especially great to do in the morning. I'm a huge fan of sun salutations. Like there was a period of time when I was waking up 
there's a video on YouTube that goes through like a hundred and eight of them. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know, it takes a second to do it, but it's like, oh my gosh, like I, I've never felt like so grounded and in my body, but like the crazy thing for me is like, I just felt so strong. Like it, it was like this calibration of like strength of like presence in like the moment, like everything's going to be okay with a mix of like my body had that like tensegrity of like, okay, like I can move my big toe and it's going to like, I can feel like that kinetic chain like expanding in this area. And it's like that type of like physiological connection, like just feels good to be like in the meat suit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's what's happening in, in your yoga practice. You know, when you're uniting your body and your breath and you're able to calm your mind and, and that, that was so healing for me when I first came to yoga, you know, because the, the sitting and like the movement, it's a movement meditation. You're creating a meditation with your body, with your mind and with your breath. Yeah. And in so many different ways, because for a very period of time, I was telling everyone like, no, you just need longer meditations or you need like better meditations, young, innocent, naive, Chris. Um, but now I'm at the point where I'm like, if the body wants to move, like move the damn thing, right? Like the body knows best. Like it has that ancient intelligence. That's like orchestrating like a hundred trillion cells and all hundred trillion cells are doing 10,000 different reactions, which makes a really big number of something animating the meat suit. If the meat suit's telling you to go do something, like give it a rip. Absolutely. And that was part of the feedback. That was a major part of the feedback I got on, on that reel that you mentioned um, was that people didn't know that it was normal to feel that way. Yeah. And they felt they were beating themselves up because they felt like they needed to meditate or they didn't understand why they couldn't sit still or their teacher told them that, you know, this was good for them, but it felt awful in their bodies. Yeah. Your body knows best. And like, I always go back, not always, but like, there's a story of um, this Ayurvedic practitioner and this man had had this condition for like 40 years of his life and he was like 60 now and like last ditch effort he went to this ayurvedic guy and he was like supposedly this guru that you know had these profound medicines and practices and the gentleman shows up at this man's office and it's this old man and he's like you know it's like the perfect like oh yes you definitely do ayurvedic medicine and the guy sits down he sticks his tongue out and the guy feels his pulses and all these different things it takes in the intake form And the doctor comes back and says, I need you for five days straight to eat onion rings. And the guy laughs at him and says, are you serious? And he goes, goes, whatever. And then goes back to his daily life and he goes back to his chronic illness and back to his pain, out of frustration. He goes, you know what? Screw it. And he eats onion rings for like five days and it completely like cures him. And he's like, I've been like shaming myself for like not wanting this. And like, I knew there was like something that was it. And it's like those small things and like his body knew and he just didn't trust it enough, like learning to trust your body. So if it's like, hey, I need you to go house a pizza, which for some reason, my body keeps telling me to house pizza. I can't can't quite comprehend that one, Um, but I'll keep listening. Sure, sure, put my best foot forward. Um, it's all about the effort, right? But listen to your body, learn to trust it because it really, really does know. Absolutely. Yes. That's, I love that you share that story too, because that was the same thing my Ayurveda teacher told me. If you're eating a healthy salad, but hating every moment of it, 
or if you're eating a hamburger and fries <laughs> with love and you're really enjoying it, go for the hamburger and fries. That's what your body needs. That's what you're craving. Yeah. So onion rings and pizza tonight for everyone. That's, that's a recommendation. And fries for sure. And fries. <laughs> it's a sweet potato hash brown fries have been like really just turning it up. So as we begin our closing ceremonies here, if you had to give a younger version of yourself, some of the knowledge and wisdom that you have today, what would you tell a young Abby? Mm. I would tell her that there is benefit to everything that you're going through now. And you will be able to, you may not understand what's happening now, but you'll be able to share your wisdom with so many other people and to keep going. Mm. To know that you will become your own best friends and that you're on the, the right path no matter what you choose right now. I was so hard on myself and I felt so alone and I felt so um, lost. So if I had known back then how to be my own best friend mm -hmm. and that everything I was going through would be of benefit to myself and others, that would have been huge for me. Wow. That's so beautiful. If people want to reach out, they want to connect with you, they want to find out more about what you're doing, where can they connect with you? I love connection. So please, please, yes, I would love to hear from you. Um, my, my, I'm most often on Instagram, having so much fun over there. So my IG handle is Abby, A-B-B-Y underscore Vernon, V-E-R-N-O-N underscore. Um, I also have a website, abbyvernon.com and um, more, more coming soon. I'm going to post that list of sensation language on the website too. So I highly recommend starting with that, that practice if you're, if you're new to this work. Yeah, so, so beautiful, guys. Those links are always, always in the show notes and do yourself a humongous favor um, and go follow this amazing woman. Abby, thank you so much for being on the show. I cannot wait to have you back and have an amazing, amazing day. Thank you so much, Chris. Hello, it's me. I wonder, I don't know how long I can actually do that with a deep voice, but anyways, it's me again, it's Dr. C. Hopefully you guys really loved this episode. Rate and review this bad boy if you do us a humongous, humongous favor. Uh, it's always awesome to hear how you guys are being supported and expressed through this. And don't forget to jump on over to Instagram and give me a like and follow. And if you go to the link in my bio, I am posting new blogs, new videos, and new workshops in there constantly. And that reminds me that if you have not yet jumped over to Instagram and applied for the Limitless Life Tribe, which is my mastermind on mindset, productivity, 
neural and biohacking everything to create an inner environment to let your external environment mirror an expressive reality for your genius, you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Shout out to Men's Warehouse. They are not affiliated with this podcast, but that guy creeped me out as a child. So if you haven't gotten done that, hop on over there and take a jump in there. We're taking on our next round of clients, and we would love to have you and your unique ways join the expression of this badass group of human beings. So have yourself a tremendous day and practice what we preach. Take this little moment right now to just give yourself a big breath in and a big breath out and ask yourself what you're grateful for today. We'll see you on the next episode.